0: It's that time of the week again. You are about to participate in a great adventure. It's that time when the latest episode of Digital Kill the Radio Star drops. Drop? What the hell do you think you're doing? It's time to waste another hour or so with David and Chris. Oh my God! As they spout out more of their worthless music knowledge. I wouldn't do that if I were you. You had time to waste, and I'm not It's time to hear them discuss the music of their youth. It's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year. As well as the music of today. Excuse me while I whip this out. So, kick back, relax, and have some fun with David and Chris. Who are those guys? Digital Kill the Radio Star starts nice. now. <laughs> Come on, quit stalling!
1: Again, everyone, on the Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast. This is David, as always. I'm here with my friend Chris. Chris, it's been a while. It's been a while since we've done a podcast, and it's uh, been a while since uh, you and I have really uh, talked because um, we've been putting up uh, podcast expo uh, interviews. But uh, we're done with those for a while. How are
2: you? Yeah, I'm good. I don't. I don't, I don't think we've done one since before the expo. I think. Right. Yeah. I mean, we as far do. as doing actual, you know, a full podcast.
1: Yeah. So it's uh it's been well over a month uh, since we've done that um it's uh starting to cool down outside fall is in the air uh actually looking forward to being outside a little bit this weekend
2: yeah same here all right i'm getting playing on getting on on the bike finally (laughs) putting on some miles
1: all right so um we have a a fun uh um topic for you this week we're going to talk about ballads but before we do that uh since it's been a while chris and i both have um a decent amount of uh, new music, re- new music recommendations for everybody, and uh, let's see. I'll go first. Um, it's no no secret I'm a big fan of the Drive By Truckers. And before there were the Drive By Truckers, Mike Cooley and Patterson Hood had a band called Adam's House Cat. And uh, from what I understand, that band really didn't go very far in the '90s. Well, they've uh, dug up the original tapes from an album that they recorded and uh i think there was a problem with the vocals so the vocal recording is new but the instrumentation is uh the original from the um uh from the 90s and it's called uh town burned down and it's by adam's house cat and be honest with you i I didn't really have any expectations for this album i knew it was coming out just because i thought it would probably sound bad just because they didn't have a lot of money i thought the uh production would be bad but uh man i could not have been more wrong actually it's a it's probably one of the most pleasantly surprising albums i've listened to in a long time it's getting a lot of comparisons to early soul asylum and the replacements and i can definitely hear that and you can it has a everybody that heard, have heard listen to it says it just sounds like a 90s album it's, it's really really good from um, top to bottom i've listened to it several times uh, dean Gavney, who's been on our uh, podcast several times he's actually at a drive-by trucker show right now, and Adam's house cat is opening uh, for them, and so Dean has been texting me uh, pictures and uh, video of it. So, uh, Adam's house cat town burned down. Did you get a chance to uh, listen to that, any Chris?
2: Honestly, forgot about it. it. Was was it put out on a label?
1: Yeah, I mean, you can order, you know, a vinyl, a CD. It's on Spotify. It's uh, it's
2: or was it on a, what, I mean, what was it, was it, was it an ind- just independent release or?
1: I don't, I don't know who the truckers are on what label they're on i'm i'm assuming it was their label on,
2: they were on new west that's right that's up, right
1: so i'm assuming they're the ones that put it out but yeah it's a full it's a the, the the real deal um but i'm
2: talking about back in the day which
1: you know i my, my knowledge of them just goes doesn't go any further than knowing that was the band that uh he and mike cooley first had and it didn't go anywhere and it uh became um uh drive-by truckers eventually but uh, I believe they—I don't know if they lived in Memphis during this time or not—but uh, they actually were at Sam Phillips uh, about two weeks ago, uh, recording their new album. Same time that Mick Jagger was in town.
2: Okay, what was Jagger in town for?
1: So he's he's producing a movie uh, about Sun about uh, Sun Records uh, founder uh, Sam Phillips, and so okay. he met uh, Jerry Lee uh, Lewis there and uh they talked and so um jagger produced the um james brown movie it was filmed here where i live uh he was down here for that so i think that's probably gonna be a pretty good movie
2: yeah i mean i'd check that out i i just i saw a picture where he was with um picture with jeff powell yeah and i didn't i didn't know but i I never tried to find out why he was in town i just saw the picture of uh Yeah, they met at
1: at Sun Studios, and uh, it was kind of funny. That whole week, kind of worlds colliding for me. Chris Robinson Brotherhood was there at Sun Studios doing some recordings, and then you had the drive-by truckers at uh, Sam Phillips Studio at the same time, and then you had Jagger all in town. So uh, Sun Studios, that's on Madison Avenue, right,
2: Chris? No, Sun is on Union. But uh, the uh, Sam Phillips Recording Studio is on Madison.
1: So you had a lot of firepower there within a several block radius at one time but yeah that i'm really looking forward to the sam phillips movie
2: yeah oh cool what
1: else you got you got anything else you listen well i got the um tom petty box set today it's uh 63 songs uh spanning his entire career and I, i i don't know if it was his daughter or his wife one of them and then ben montinch and mike campbell came up with uh, what songs would be on it it's a mixture of unreleased material b-sides alternate versions and uh, live songs and also it has a few songs on there that they've just remastered that were deep tracks that uh mike campbell said uh were important to tom and uh of course 63 songs man that's a lot to try to take in at one time but uh i've been really pleased with what i've heard so far and it goes it goes in chronological order so you know the first song on the album you know deals with that first period when the first album came out and it goes all the way until the end but the live versions of songs uh have been really good for instance they have a live version of southern accents which they never played um but you know a few times after it's that a great song oh really. it's an amazing song they have a uh kind of an acoustic stripped down version of even the losers which is one of my favorite tom petty songs and uh have a live version of i won't back down that's great but yeah if you're a fan of tom petty you're not going to be disappointed and i was reading online the reviews of it uh you know are either four or five stars and then i think rolling stone gave it four and a half stars maybe uh it's really good you can tell this just isn't scraps that were on the recording floor and they threw together for the sake of putting something out. This is all... It all sounds really, really good. Even the alternate versions, they they sound like a you know, finished product. They've been mastered and they, they sound great. But yeah, 63 songs, that's a lot to take in. Yeah, it is. And man, that's all I got. What do you have?
2: Well, the last time we did this, the last time we talked, I I don't know if we'd even talked about... Yeah, we did, because we, we kind of went over... we We... I know we talked about going to the, the Expo, and I said that I finally saw Alkaline Trio, which been one of my favorite bands for a long time. And I don't The album may have, was, may have already been out by the time when we did that, and we just didn't talk about it, so we made that real brief. I don't remember. I don't think I've talked about this before. Maybe I haven't. I'm just getting old. Um, but their Alkaline Trio, their, their new one did come out um, about a month ago. Still listening to it a lot. It's called Is This Thing Cursed? It's um, I mean it's it's really really good. Uh, I'm, of course, I, I pretty much love everything they put out. Um, strong album, wasn't disappointed. Uh, first uh, interesting thing I'd say, the first song, which is a, the title tra- track, uh, Dan Andriano. he sings vocals on that, and I just bring that up just because I think that's the first album he's ever opened up, which is kind of cool doing something different, and it's a great opening track. Um, the bookends on this album are amazing with, with uh, Danny's opening track and then uh, Skiba doing uh, a ballad, Skiba-style ballad called Crystalline at the end. Um, and there's really not filler in between. Um, really good album, top to bottom. So I've been listening to that a lot. I, um, I got Michael Gray's new one through Kickstarter. It's called Keys. And it's, there's nothing new there. It's just different songs from his his uh, catalog, mainly just his solo catalog, and he does them just vocals and a piano, and, and some of the songs are, you know, kind of haunting on it, just the way it sounds with that piano. You know, in particular, there's a song that his that I love called "Feels Like I'm Dying" that it's just him and the the vocals are just it's amazing. And then one song he does it's not just a great song. He does do the Misfits. He does "Dig Up Her Bones" and that one is the one song that is not just piano there's a guitar in it as well and it's uh it's one of the cooler versions i've heard of dick upper bones but really cool i mean if you're if you're a fan of michael greaves miss this i mean you're gonna like it but um it's cool It's something different to do you know and i like with his you know kind of some of the songs being kind of more the the horror type theme and some of them are just um condemned to love, just a almost like a painful type ballad just they sound really good with just the vocals and and the piano so those are kind of the new things I've been listening to and then just kind of um just a, an album that I kind of I was listening to this week that you know I turn to it every now and then, and I always kind of forget just how phenomenal it is, and this is gonna be one of those ones that people listening, probably most if not all have' never heard of. But it's a it's a band out of Sweden called Witchcraft, and um, it's it's not like all like Hell Satan and all that kind of stuff with the name of Witchcraft. It's not like that. And um, if I it, if you categorize them, technically they're going to fall under doom metal, but probably not as doomy and slow and sludgy and dark as what you may think. Uh, some of them are just kind of some of the songs are just kind of straight ahead rock, which forgot to name the album the album's called legend i think they put out five this is by far the best one um if you're just looking for a good uh, kind of metal record a little bit of a sabbathy doom type sound uh song, some songs are just straight up you know hard rock bordering on metal uh check these guys out um really good vocalist um just cool songs witchcraft album's called legend
1: well as always chris you're all over the place
2: yeah, yeah, I am, and I. But you know what? I think that um, people that are into the harder rock and all that, I think if they try witchcraft, I think they'll like it. Um, you know, anybody from Potter and Hell, if you're listening to this, I think this might be up your alley for some new hard rock. So hey, speak,
1: speaking of Potter and Hell, uh, I thought it was funny um, on their review of the uh, Rock and Pod Expo weekend. Dylan talked about you being starstruck at that Al- Alkaline Trio concert cuz oh, cuz the that morning after the show uh when um we woke up and you were like, "Man, like I was like straight up um straight up starstruck when Matt Skiba came out." I thought that was funny even Dylan picked
2: up on that. It was the first time in a in a really long time I felt that way. I mean, I've been I've been listening to the guy for uh, I was thinking about it. Uh, I think about 17 years and they've never come anywhere near and this is there's just kind of a with Skiba there's just kind of this mystique to him he's uh he's he's just a total oddball um and just i don't know he's just he's just kind of it's hard to explain if you're not in the trio i'm not going to even try to explain it but he just kind of seemed larger than life in a band i wanted to see for so long when he came out and he just had just walks out it's just he, he was just kind of the epitome of cool when he came walking out, and it was, it was a fun time.
1: Yeah, that was. A, I'm sure you had a good time. That was a good fun weekend, and uh, we really enjoyed hanging out with the uh, Potter Than Hell guys. Those guys were, and and Sunny Poony. Speaking of Sunny Pooney, this would be a Sunny Poony approved episode because Sunny Pooney loves ballads. And this week, Chris and I are going to talk about some of our favorite ballads, but not of the uh, glam hair metal slash power ballad. Uh, mold. We're talking about. We've done that. We've done that. We've done that one to death. This one, um, will be. Uh, I've seen Chris's list. He's seen mine. It's going to be all over the place, which is kind of how we like it. And uh, but hey, before we get started, I do want to thank everybody that voted for us in the uh, Ear Peeler, uh podcast uh, uh round robin tournament. We got a lot of votes. We didn't win, but we were facing a podcast that has a much bigger audience and more established name but we still got a lot of votes mm-hmm. so i thank everybody for doing that and um uh, we really appreciate that we kind of kind of like this little community we're building here amongst uh music fans so uh we didn't win but we gave them uh we gave them a run for their money so uh, best of luck to them and uh anyway so chris uh ballads uh like we said no uh power ballads or glam or hair metal I'll have to admit some of mine aren't exactly love songs, but they're they're, they're they're songs about uh, about love, but maybe nece- not necessarily of the happy variety. So <laughs> well, it's, a- it's
2: it's tough. It's tough to really determine what I mean. Uh, I guess a ballad. Maybe I should look up the definition of a ballad because I don't know if a ballad necessarily has to be about love, you know, and. Um, just like I was talking about that Michael Gray's album, it feels like feels like I'm dying. I know that sounds awful, but to me that's that's a ballad, right? And um, so I, I don't know. I, I guess that's up for debate. But these there's some songs on here that are probably honestly pretty damn depressing, and it's not about your girl leaving you. Well, um, it's
1: funny that we talk about like ballads and what a ballad means because. Uh, Chris and I were originally supposed to do this earlier this week, but we just both had life get in the way. And um, I was talking to my wife, we were riding around, and I said, oh, this is one of the songs I'm going to play on my ballad episode. And she goes, that's not a ballad. And I go, that is a ballad. Now, my wife is six years younger than me. So she she came of age in the late 90s. And in her mind, a a ballad was like a power ballad. And uh, anyway, so she and I have had this dialogue going back and forth about, you know, misconception of what a ballad is. So uh Well that's you, what you
2: think of it you think of the hair metal and the power ballads. That's, right. When you hear ballad, that's what you think of. And and I did while you're talking that I actually did, like what's the definition of it? And it does say typically love you know, love songs. So um we're gonna we're gonna still pretend like ballads can be on really any kind of genre. Just kind of the they still may, the lyrical content may be there, but they sound like a ballad. How's that?
1: Yeah. We're going to have a loose interpretation with it. So I tell you what, Chris, I'm going to, usually you started off first. I'm going to start this one off first. You ready? Yep. All right. So I'm sitting here looking at my list and I'm going to go with a song by Wilco off the being there album. Say you miss me. I think it's the last song on the first, uh, first disc of that double album. This is a song that has really grown on me over the years, and now I find myself when I go listen to Being There, this is like probably the uh, the, the first one I go to. I just love the melody on it, and I love the way Jeff Tweedy sings on it, and it's a phenomenal album, and uh, it's a standout track amongst an album that has a lot of good tracks, in my opinion. Yeah, uh,
2: I like the song, like the album. Um, I don't have any Nothing bad to say about it. I mean, that's when Wilco was still making. That's still the Wilco that I love. You know. <laughs> um, I know, I know. We 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 shit on them enough on here with their newer stuff, but but uh, I do I do really love that song. Love, love the band. Cool. All right, what do you have? All right, let me go. Man, there's so many for me to th- sort through. So let me just start with. Um, let's go. Let's go with. Um, since you're on that, I'm going to go with, I'm going to stay in that vein. I'm going to go with, uh, I'll go with Jeff Tweedy's first band, Uncle Tupelo. And since we are talking about songs that aren't necessarily sounded, not the lyrical content, not a ballad, I'm going to go with uh, Moonshiner um, off the March album. And uh, this is not the happiest sounding song, but it's one, I mean, it's up there probably is one of my favorite Uncle Tupelo songs. And I know that may sound yeah, you know, cliche, but I don't care. Uh, I love the song.
1: All right, so I had this on my list, and I took it off when I saw your list because there's no sense in us repeating. Mm-hmm. This is a top three Uncle Tupelo song for me, and one of the things I make that I, I really feel like it stand makes it stand out. I think this may be Jay Farrar's best vocal performance, and he really draws you in with the emotion on this song like i i told you the other day i think i sent a text to you I said man this song makes me want to blow my head off kind of in a good way uh yeah it's got I just, it's got some go feel ahead. it's got some feels to it it's a very sad and depressing song but at the same time it's just such a beautiful song you cannot help but move you
2: yeah i agree i agree it almost feels like it at points almost i mean, like I, I always think of a, a lyric in there that i just love pretty women god bless them I wish that they was mine. I just, I've always loved that. Um, now they didn't write
1: this song. This is like a traditional song, correct?
2: Yeah. Uh, which wow. Is pretty much most like what most of March was, but um, yeah, that's that's a. And there's actually a version of um on the bootleg series. There's a version of a uh, Bob Dylan doing Moonshiner.
1: Oh, I'd have to check that out.
2: Yeah, um, not nearly as good, but. Um, but yeah, do I mean do do check that out?
1: Let's stay on that band then. Uncle Tupelo still be around off their second album. Such a good song. Another one where he just draws you in with with the heartache and the pain, and uh, you know, obviously, probably a lot of this song is about being. An, I think it's about being an alcoholic and somebody sticking with you through the down times and trying to to help you through it. But uh, another great one, by Uncle Tupelo.
2: Yeah, and it definitely has some really, really depressing lyrics. I mean, that may be more. I mean, lyrically, that may be. Moonshiner may have the more depressing sounds. lyrically. Still be around, may be more depressing to me. I I, I could anyway. agree. I could agree with that. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let me go with. Um, yeah, there. There are a lot to choose from REM and. Most all of them, except for you know at my most beautiful, maybe one or two others, most all of them lyrically are hard to really put into traditional ballad but um and this one is no exception. I went with um one of my favorite r e m songs really especially from that middle period of theirs, but what well, was night swimming, just great one love love that piano uh, song just makes me happy when I hear it.
1: Had that one on my list as well. Took it off because you and I both uh, had that on our list. Uh, great song to see them play live. They all get around the piano. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, but I think it's kind of about like uh, reliving your your childhood memories and like you know your your younger days and drunken parties and going you know going swimming and stuff afterwards. Is that right? I
2: honestly don't know.
1: That's what I've read anyway. Um, yeah, a tremendous song. Let's stay on REM off the Green album, You Are the Everything. This is one of my favorite R.E.M. ballads uh, off an album that gets panned at times, but I think this is one of the stronger tracks uh, on the album and kind of a, a sonically, kind of a prelude as to what's to come on the next couple albums to some degree.
2: Agree with that, and also agree that's a phenomenal song. Yes, it's not a real loved album, R.E.M. fans, me being one of those but it seems like the songs that are really good on there are really, really good, and that's one of them.
1: Yeah, you can definitely tell that album was put out in the late '80s. Yeah, that's that's a great, great
2: song. All right, so my turn. I'm getting some of these heavy hitters off here. This is one that, you know, uh, I um, I think I actually added this after maybe after I saw your list. I can't remember, but. Yeah, I was torn between I'm torn between two different songs when picking a, a Beach Boys song. The obvious is going to be "God Only Knows," and I mean, even Paul McCartney said that was his favorite song. So great, great song, but I went with "Don't Worry, Baby." I know it's not as you know, it's not as deep. It, it's they were still a little bit more in the surfer vein with "Don't Worry, Baby," but I just love the tune.
1: Yeah, it's a good song. I had um, God Only Knows on my list as well, and I edited. No, I didn't. That. Do, I didn't do God Only Knows. I was say
2: I pick. I pick Don't Worry, Baby.
1: Yeah, no, I'm saying like I. I, I you were talking about God Only Knows. Oh, yeah, being yeah, of The yeah. obvious uh, pick. So that exactly. was my obvious pick. I took that off my list. Yeah, you know, honestly, I never heard this song until um, you sent me the list, and uh, I really like it. They, they, to me, are a band that I never think of really to listen to, but then when I listen to them, I'm like. Yeah, they are really good.
2: Really good. They kind of make you happy when you listen to them too, you know, cuz it's so uplifting.
1: Oh yeah, if we want to do a all happy episode, there's going to be three or four Beach Boys uh, songs on there.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's actually I mean, a lot of so far most all of her ballads are depressing as hell. So uh, <laughs> All right, here's all right, one, we have a happy one.
1: Here's one that's not as depressing. It's off the self-titled Pearl Jam album, also known as the Avocado album, the song Comeback. Now, when this album came out, um I was kind of in this lukewarm stage on on Pearl Jam, but I really love the album. It's one of their heavier albums, and most of the songs are pretty short, but this is just a beautiful love song, and it has one of the more understated guitar solos of all time by Mike McCready. It's a simple, short guitar solo that gets me every time, and they put out a live DVD from I think in Italy of them playing this, and if it just it doesn't move you, I don't I don't know what's wrong with you, but man, this is one that I love to hear, and it just I never skip it when it comes up on my any of my playlists.
2: Well, I had never heard that song because I I own I don't know probably at least about six Pearl Jam albums. I did not own that one, and notice I said did not because I do now, because of You Tell Me About That Song, and that song blew me away. I have listened to that song so many times. To me, it sounds like it could be an Otis Redding song. And you're right. It is a true love song, and I will go so far as to say it's one of Pearl Jim's best songs. I think it's that good.
1: No argument for me on any of that.
2: Well, since I said that it could be a, uh, an Otis Redding song let me go with Otis Redding there were a lot to choose from with Otis Redding but I picked these arms of mine I probably have said this on this podcast before if I haven't I will say it now one of the greatest voices of all time uh, one of my favorite singers of all time notice we, I don't talk about him a whole lot because I'm not going to say it's one of my favorite artists whatever of all time I just think he's one of my favorite pure vocalists of all time. I think he's one of the best ever. And that song just is great to me. I love Otis Redding. Um I think we talked about him and those an artist that died too soon. I I know I would have brought him up because he was only twenty six years old. But that's just Really?
1: He, was, he I thought
2: he was older yeah. than that. Wow. Uh twenty six. Twenty six. Otis was just amazing.
1: Well he left a uh he definitely left a mark. Yeah one of the the classic american voices i mean up there you know i know Aretha franklin just died but i mean up there with her uh boy a pow- a true powerhouse
2: yeah yeah think about how, i mean 26 years old i mean my god i mean I, he he was going to be at the top of his game vocally for a long many time years
1: yeah yeah uh, 26 he didn't make it to the 27 club no um, let's see here uh let's go Looking at my list here. Uh, Well, you can't have a ballad episode and not talk about Ryan Adams, can
2: you? Um, Uh, It'd be hard not to. It'd be hard to to not include him. So, So
1: Ryan Adams has a plethora of ballads to choose from. But there's one that, for whatever reason, has always stuck with me. It's off the Follow the Lights EP, and it's called My Love for You Is Real. Um, Not a whole lot of people have that EP uh you know i don't i've never seen him play this live in concert it's you know i don't even you know never even heard him talk about it but when this ep came out um i got it because it has a cover of alice in chains down in a hole on it and it has the song follow the lights which is really good but this song just i don't know it's one of those things there's no rhyme or reason for why it moves me so much and um my wife my wife and i had a small wedding we didn't have a um Uh, you know, a wedding song. But if we'd had a wedding song, uh, this is one that I would have tried to uh, get her approval for. But uh, the song just really moves me. My love for you is real. Ryan Adams, one of the great balladeers of our generation. And uh, like I said, there were probably 15 or 20 songs I could have chose from him. But I decided to go with this one just because, for whatever reason, it just has always touched me.
2: Yeah, there's a whole lot I could have gone for. you know, picked off from him too a whole lot. And um I ended up going with Oh My Sweet Carolina. You know, again a little bit more more of a uh, cliche, but it's uh it's a great song.
1: Man, that song and it's so good live, especially when I like it when he plays it, you know, electrically. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you see him live, but uh really one of his, you know, standout tracks and he has a bunch of standout tracks and that's Emmy Lou Harris singing on, on it, isn't it?
2: It is, yeah and you're right as far as it being one. I mean, that's, that's when, um, when his career is all said and written finished, that that's going to be one of the ones he's known for, for sure.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So let's go with, uh, his, uh, first band whiskey town off the strangers Almanac album, uh, houses on the hill, not your typical ballad. A lot of it has to do. I think I'm with him finding a, a love note in, uh, in an attic, but, uh, uh a really uh, um a shame that that band didn't do more than they did because if i was going to give a song to people and say hey this is what whiskey town this was their potential that's one of the songs i would have used to justify that but uh, a really good album and uh a song that uh is just really really good and you can already see the the seed planted of what would co- what his career would become with that album in my opinion
2: Easily could have put that on my list. I actually considered that for my list. And there were a few Whiskey Town songs I could have picked.
1: Oh, my gosh, uh, yes. If He so, Can't
2: Have You. Yeah, I mean, he—he, he, uh, I easily could have put that. And um, I love that song. I, 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 and as far as, you know, when I think of, to me, when I think of alt-country, it's going to be Uncle Tupelo first. Because I always say this. Uncle Tupelo is to alt-country what... Nirvana is to grunge. And anybody that disputes me on that doesn't know alt country. Sorry, if you dispute me, you're wrong. Um, it's okay to be wrong sometimes. <laughs> so you are wrong on that one. But after them, for me, I'm going to go with Whiskey Town. I mean, that's probably going to be the band that I'm going to choose when I want just pure, straight alt country. Um, that's just definitive. You know, I mean, I can throw bands that I love, like Sunvolt and all that, but they got a little bit more rock in, you know. Wilco's experimented. Um, but just straight ahead, everything's alt-country. Whiskey Town, man, never a few better.
1: And man, I tell you what, if we ever did a drinking songs episode, Whiskey Town would have several in there.
2: Yeah, there's there's some real, you know, depressing stuff in there. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go. It's funny how I keep, I'm just kind of knocking off a lot of the more known stuff. And, and I guess some people would say, well, Uncle is not that known, but, I feel like most people kind of know who they are. Um, so they don't. Just, they should. Yeah. So let I'm gonna go with another. Stay on the. I'll, I'll say some more random here coming up. But um, I'll go with one of the biggest bands of all time. I'm gonna go with the Rolling Stones and a very very early Rolling Stones song. Yeah, you dug Tell deep me. on this one. Tell me. Um, I've always always loved this song. I mean, I. And you know, it's not trying to dig deep on that. I want to make that really clear because this—the um, way that I—I've known this song since I was a kid. I've known this song very, very well because my mother had the um, that compilation album, Hot Rocks. Their, no, um, uh-uh. is it like High Tide Green Grass? Is that the name? Yeah, yeah, it? yeah, of the early stuff. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say really early stuff, and she had that. Cause she had it when she had the album when she was, I think, I mean, she was a teenager or early twenties or whatever. I guess it's probably a teenager, and um, and so I, I grew up listening to that album in the car all the time, and that, and you know, I could have easily picked "Heart of Stone" as well because both of those are just to me those are probably my favorite my favorite two Rolling Stone ballads, and a lot of that comes down to. You know, it, I listened to it so much as a kid. It has meaning to me. It, uh, but I loved it then. I still love it now. And there's, there's also too a, um, you know, legendary punk band, Dead Boys. They did a, uh, a cover of, of it. If you, if you're familiar with the song, tell me. Um, probably are not familiar with the Dead Boys cover. Check it out though. It's it's a it's a cool kind of it's a rockin' version of Tell Me. Just a little side note.
1: Well, let's stay on the Rolling Stones. I'm going to go with one off the Goatshead Soup album, Winter. If you check my Spotify list every year, which shows the songs I listen to the most, this one's probably going to be in my top 20 because I listen to that album a lot. Uh, one of Jagger's better ballads. Um, you know, a lot of people like to write off that Goatshead Soup album. I don't. I, I think it was Our kind
2: star of, is a great song. There's
1: a lot of great songs on there. I think it, you know, people want to say it. Everything stopped with exile for an album or two. I, I it may have stopped after Goat's Head Soup, but um, I, I, I really love that I, album. I like
2: Black and I like Black and Blue. Yeah, you're a big are, Black and Blue guy.
1: But uh, yeah, if you've never heard it, Winter by the Rolling Stones is a beautiful song. Jagger's vocals on it are great, and just pick up that album; you won't be
2: disappointed. <laughs> yeah, I, personally, I feel like you went even deeper than I did on that one because I feel like Tell Me is going to be more known. But well, could I just—I'm—I'm I, I'm
1: honestly, a lot of the really early Stone stuff, you know, those first couple of albums, really mm-hmm. don't doesn't do. I mean, I like Mother's Little Helper and you know, uh, stuff like that. But yes, yeah, some of the deep stuff on those first couple albums, to be honest with you, I'm not familiar with.
2: Well, and the uh, that's why I like that compilation album I was talking about because it—I I, I would agree with you because so you can listen to an early album and there's going to be. Yeah, you know, I don't like it when they were just basically a blues band. Or a cover band as well. Yeah, so, but, but that, if you just want early stuff, that compilation, High you know, Tide, Green Grass, I will go ahead and make a plug for that, if you just want to hear the early stuff, because it has, it's going to have the stuff, you, the early stuff that you know on it. Satisfaction, Get Off My Cloud, 19th Nervous Breakdown, you know, all those songs on there, Play With Fire. Uh, so it's, it's really, really, really good songs um so there's a little plug for that if you want some listen to some stones so let's go with another heavy heavy hitter and another one i could have picked several of them but i had to go with the one that just kind of makes everything around me stop when i hear it um i'm making myself feel like that you you son i can't remember oh my gosh yes Okay, I couldn't remember. Remember the uh, the guy Wayne Stanson, where it, he, when uh, every day every day they played Desperado, he just kind of stopped. Oh yeah. So this one probably does that for me a bit because I just think it's so beautiful. Well, but um, and there's a lot of other ones that people probably would have picked over this, but probably yesterday or whatever. I'm gonna go with the Beatles "Let It Be."
1: Great song. Can't argue with that one. And uh, one of the great. Um one of the great songs that they wrote. And I, I, you know, I'm not a huge Beatles fan. I'll preface that, but those last couple albums, if I'm going to listen to the Beatles, that's what it's going to be. And this is a great, a great song. One of the kind of almost anthems, you know, when you think about that entire generation, Cause you, it is. you can't think of, you know, that and Hey Jude, when I think of the Beatles now, that's pr- predominantly what I think about. Yeah. All yeah. right. So, let's go with another heavy hitter since we're getting those out of the way from across the pond as well all i want is you by you Two off the rattle and hum album a great ballad written by bono uh, you got to think this is probably about his wife who was the subject of a couple of songs on um uh joshua tree but they've been married i think since like 1980 or 81 uh, the song gets overlooked a lot, I think, because it's on Rattle and Hum, and you know that album has a lot of detractors, and it's not necessarily all original material. And they do play it from time to time. Uh, it's one that uh, I wish got more airplay because uh, I think it is—it's uh, as good as a lot of their hits, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, it's a good song. If I had to, if I were to pick one from my list, I probably would have gone with So Cool, but
1: um, off of uh, Octagon Baby. Yeah, yeah,
2: but. No, nah, I mean, I, I, that's a, that is a good song. So, um, next up, let's, um uh, I'll go with, uh, I'm gonna go with Boss, I'll go with Bruce Springsteen, and I'm gonna go with Brilliant Disguise. Now, that is a phenomenal song. It was off of, um, Tunnel of Love, which people have said, I mean, what, what is? It's a breakup album. It's when he was going through a divorce with his first wife, and I don't think people knew it when that album first came out. But, um, brilliant disguise is just a it's, it's i mean it's my favorite springsteen ballad Well, i say that there is i would say one other thing i consider for springsteen but i thought you know what no i'm gonna go with an original song by springsteen that's what i need to do but something that a lot of people won't know if you want to hear a good, good springsteen ballad um david you can go to youtube to find this because he didn't put it on an album but he recorded it he may have done it a couple of times, but I've got it on a bootleg from, uh, 75. Um, it was before Born to Run came out. And he did, um, uh, wow, now why, why can I not even think of the name? Um, jeez <laughs> it's a Bob Dylan song. Um, it'll come to me. But, uh, why in the that, That's gonna, that's gonna drive me insane. Um, it will come to me. It, but it's, uh, his version is just phenomenal, phenomenal. That one. Um, you know what? This is going to kill me. I've got this on the phone. Bear with me for just one second.
1: Well, brilliant disguise. That's one of my. That's actually one of my favorite Springsteen songs.
2: Yeah, and it's really cool too. Now when he, Kate, our buddy Caton saw the uh, Unplugged show that he's doing, you know, he was raving about that. When she had Patty comes out when he does that. She comes out and sings with him on that one. Did you okay, like? FM? Okay, go ahead. I, I want you. Bob Dylan, I want you. Uh huh. You know so, the song? Yeah.
1: So so Springsteen okay.
2: does that. Yeah, but he slows it down, and it's with a piano, and it's it's beautiful. Like Bob Dylan's is not necessarily a pretty ballad, <laughs> you know. And I'm not goofing on Bob Dylan; he, his style on it isn't really pretty. It's just a little bit more sped up, whatever. But Bruce Springsteen, because the lyrics in it, that's a ballad. It just doesn't sound so much like it with uh, Dylan, but Springsteen's it's a uh, it's a beautiful song, his version. Yeah, you ought to check that one out. Do you like yeah, I'm that, I'm sorry, what were you saying?
1: Do you like that Tunnel of Love, Lucky Town era? Um,
2: I, I do, I like, well, I like Tunnel of Love, and um, a lot of people, there's a lot of people who put that as one of his best, if not his best records, and I, I don't get that, but I, I do think it's, I do think it's a good album. But it gets, I think it gets a little bit more credit than it deserves, but it is good.
1: Well, Chris, since you mentioned Bob Dylan, I'll give my pick from Bob Dylan, off the "Time Out of Mind" album, "Make You Feel My Love," a piano-oriented ballad. I'm I'm not the biggest Bob Dylan fan, but for whatever reason, that album I got it, and it has some songs on it that really kind of really get to me. Um, it has a song called "Not Dark Yet" that I it's, man, that's ha- it's a haunting song. It's definitely not anything about you know not a ballad but i mean it's very sad and it has the song mississippi which shell crow's done the dixie chicks have done i th- thought it was interesting though because jim dickinson from memphis is all over this album playing the piano and so i felt for sure that that was dickinson playing on this but i pulled up the credits and he's not playing on this song but kind of one of the albums that kind of brought dylan back into the the limelight um it, it, it really has some some good some good songs from him and some of his some of his more I guess you could say easy to easy to swallow work you know it's not quite as the singing's not quite as bad as it is on some other stuff but uh, I really like the album.
2: Well, he won a Grammy on that one, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and it it people do really love that album. They do, but I don't really listen to Dylan much past. I would say early seventies. You know, I I just I can't I mean I his voice works for me on that early stuff. But the later stuff yeah, it's hard for me. Yeah, can um, be can be rough. Yeah, it it's funny. It, it's sad because his <laughs> <it's> early music is <sighs> so just man, it's good. It's not just I like, oh it's okay, it's not bad. No, it's really, really good. But what's sad about it is as much as I like that stuff you probably would have to give me you'd have to give me a a, tick, a free ticket to go see him now I mean you really would just because I've heard the clips of it and all and it it's not that it's not that it doesn't really sound like it. I mean, it just sucks I mean it's really bad live and it's like man it, we well, part of it he didn't even play the songs he didn't even play them the same way you don't even I remember Gary from Howard Stern was talking about he saw him and he said, you did not even know what song he was playing.
1: No, that's true. I took my dad to see him probably eleven or twelve years ago. It was him and Merle Haggard, and it was awful. I mean, it was it was it was awful. I like to, I mean, it's. I, I'd, I'd rather I'd rather listen to that. Uh, that what's that album we reviewed that Sonny Pooney gave us. <laughs> the storm man I, i'm, you I'm not, go
2: see a storm reunion?
1: I'm down with the storm box set uh <laughs> before i can i mean chris it was it was terrible and my that's dad that's what i've heard that's
2: why i said i wouldn't you'd have to give me a free ticket
1: and my dad was so excited cuz my dad actually saw him play in oxford back in the 60s and uh he was all excited and i'm like you know here i am I'm out of school i got a little bit of money here i'm going to take my dad to see bob dylan and, I and he mean, punished him. Oh, man. like, he's half, like what
2: did I do to you, Like,
1: halfway through it, he was just like, he's like, he's like, I don't know anything that he's played. And I'm like...
2: And the sad thing is, he did, but he was playing
0: the same right. version. So,
1: so, all right, so the guy, um, his last name is Campbell. It's kind of like he's been his band leader for a long time. And He's uh, real good friends with the guys in the Black Crows and, and actually has done some recording with, with some of those guys before. And I saw an interview with him where he was talking about, like, they don't really have a set list a lot of times. And he just turns around and says, you know, we're going to play Maggie's Farm, but we're going to do it in A instead of F and in 2-4 in instead of 4-4. Four four. And he's like, he's like, if you can play for him live, there's nobody you can, cannot play for. 'Cause it's kinda like being a combat medic. You know, any hospital will hire a combat medic. You can sew somebody up where you're getting shot at, you can handle any emergency room, you know? So I mean I think it should just it should just be on the resume. I played
2: live with Bob Dylan for a while. And that's interesting too, because you don't think of Bob Dylan as a musician. Right. You know? And and he's clearly a musician if he's calling out, you know time signatures and you know what key and all that he's clearly a musician a skilled musician right you just don't think of him that way oh it you don't think of him as an old folky but uh all right we'll stop beating up on bob dylan we're i mean this is we're supposed to be saying what we like about him here we are killing him yeah uh, <laughs> so, so um i'm gonna take it down a notch i'm gonna go with um i'm gonna go with a really where we're talking about some of them are not quite in the vein of a ballad this is a uh Definitely not a happy tune, but um, I'm gonna go with The Smiths, a song called "Asleep." It's um, I know this. I know The Smiths aren't for you. I could, I could. I don't know if you listen to this one, but I could see if you were I'm gonna listen to them, David. I could see this being one you might could accept a little bit more than some of their other stuff.
1: I listen to it's it.
2: Just, it's so slow, it's so dreary, but um, I just I, I like that song a lot. Um,
1: I just they're one of those bands. I just I've tried. I've given it the old college tries they say okay just for whatever reason it's so many people that I respect their musical opinion you know swear by them but who knows maybe uh, maybe one of these days um, it'll click for me but hey look speaking of people's musical opinion that I respect uh, you really turned me on to the Gaslight Anthem and so if you're a fan of the Gaslight Anthem you got to be a fan of Brian Fallon who's their lead singer and principal songwriter So I was thinking, like, we can't have a ballad episode and not have a song that Brian Fallon has written because he's one of the great songwriters of our generation. So I decided to go with the closing track on his second album, Sleepwalkers, that came out this year, See You on the Other Side. This song, at the beginning, it's basically it's a song about, like, I'm going to be with you till I die and I'm going to see you on the other side. The first part of it, deals with, think with his his christianity he's a he's an outspoken christian and then the second part of the song deals with you know his wife or, or whoever it is that he's in love with and he's going to stick with them and they're going to stick with him and you know i'm hoping i get to see you on the other side it's a great way to close off an album it's a song, one of the songs that made my wife uh, a big fan of his. She's not a big music person, and now I get in her car or whatever, and she's got these Brian Fallon playlists, which I love, and uh, one of the standout tracks on his second album, uh, Sleepwalkers. I almost went with Etta James off the, that album because it's a great love song, and I could have picked numerous other songs off his first album, and The Gaslight, but that's one uh, one that just really uh, always um, has always moved me since I've heard it.
2: I could have gone with a, a lot of Fallon songs myself, and if I went for a solo one, I'd probably go "Red Lights." Um, I, I, off the first album, I love that That's one. That's a but, good song. But "May Here's Looking at Your Kid." I mean, there's there's a lot of them, you know. And I, it's weird. I don't know. I, I, I really don't know why I didn't pick a Brian Fallon or a Gaslight because I easily could have.
1: I thought that um, was odd when I saw your list.
2: Yeah, I mean, I easily could have. I guess because as much as I love those songs, I never really think of them. Like, I don't know. I just it never really just comes to me. But um, let's just let's we'll kind of stay. We'll kind of stay in that vein. Then, if those type, you know, the as I call it, like the revival tour guys, and I'm gonna go with Lucero, nights like these. Um, that's a if you've ever seen Lucero, it is a staple that is the one that everybody loves uh every girl if they've ever heard lucero that's the one they want to hear and it's funny for forever and i just noticed this last time i saw them they didn't do it but i don't know what it is about it but every time i see them and i've seen them many many times they always play it as the third song which i've always found weird they didn't do it the last time i saw them but it's always the third song when they play it huh. um but yeah that's that's a great, great Lucero song.
1: Yeah, it's not bad. Like uh, you know, I'm I'm not the biggest Lucero fan, but uh that one's not a not a bad song. I'd actually I've heard that many times before when you put that on the list, but uh yeah, I can't argue with you on that one at all. All right, so let's get one that's depressing. Uh <laughs> Alice and Chains don't follow off the Jar Flies EP. Oh, great song! Uh, starts off with uh, are those nylon strings? That you think he's playing on?
2: I, I don't know. I don't. Anyway, on that way to me. Could um, be.
1: So Jerry Cantrell starts the song off singing and just man, he can sing a melody. Uh, just has a, just a tremendous voice. The second half of the song, uh, the tempo picks up a little bit. Lane Staley comes in. Uh, Jar flies. We interviewed Toby Wright, who uh, worked on that album um, at the Expo. We'll have that one out at some point. Uh, He said, you know, that the his greatest career accomplishment, in his opinion, was uh, mixing their Unplugged album. And this wasn't on the Unplugged album, but man, it it would have fit in if they did it. But Jar of Flies was a really pleasant surprise when that came out because it was nothing like, you know, any of the stuff they've done before. I mean they had the S.A.P. EP, but at that point hardly anybody had ever heard heard that. But you got rotten apple, uh I stay away, nutshell, of course, no excuse one. Yeah, so Jar of Flies, I believe, debuted at number one on the charts, which was uh, really cool for an EP by a band that was very sludgy and very heavy, putting out an acoustic album. Um, but yeah, Don't Follow, man, that's, it's got everything that's great about Jerry Cantrell and Lane Staley together. Uh, just beautiful, beautiful songs. Kind of sad subject matter, but... As with a lot of things, Cantrell can do his voice is so smooth that he can sing some sad stuff, and it with the melodies that he uses, it kind of uplifts you to some extent.
2: Yeah, like I said, I, I've I've always loved that song, and that was one. When I, when I saw that on your list, I thought, man, I I could have put that on mine, but I don't. You know, I'm I'm not as big of an Alice in Chains fan as you, are. I like them, but because I'm not a huge fan, it doesn't really just. I don't think of that immediately but i do really really love that song oh that's cool i didn't know that yeah so i'm gonna go with um a song that is probably to the average person going to be very very misunderstood because it sounds like the sweetest love song but um it's not really what he's singing about and that's lou reed perfect day so if you hear the chorus oh it's such a perfect day i'm glad i spent it with you well he's not talking about a girl not talking about a guy because we know lou could swing the other way too lou's talking about heroin um but i just I think that song's good and i think it's so funny the way it's so misunderstood but um Really cool, really cool song. And actually, my sister, my sister loves loves Duran Duran, and um, she's told me they've covered that before. And the other day, I was uh, I was driving in on on um, First Wave. on Sirius. serious. They played their version, and it was really good. And and Lou Reed was always known to be kind of a, a jerk, and they, so he I don't think he threw around a whole lot of compliments but supposedly the Duran Duran version is his favorite cover of any of his songs, and a lot of people covered his songs.
1: Hey, that's not the first Lou Reed song about heroin. For instance, they had one called Heroin. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, but that was a little obvious what he, what it's about. This one, you're here, it's such a perfect day. I'm glad i spent it with you.
1: <laughs> oh, man. All right, let's go with probably the happiest song that I've got on here off the wildflowers album the song wildflowers by tom petty uh this was his second quote-unquote solo album we'll use that term loosely as most of the heartbreakers played on it but a lot different from kind of the big sound of full moon fever Uh, a lot of people think wildflowers is the best thing he ever did it's in my opinion it's, it's up there it's in the top two or three um a uh just kind of a a a beautiful diverse album that he put out with wildflowers it just makes me feel happy and i i could i could see tom stone sitting on his back
2: porch with a ukulele playing this too yeah that's you're right about people love that album you know and and i do like it i uh but it's not one of the ones i go to if i want to listen to tom petty and I get why people love it. I really do. And the song's good. The album's good. It's just, you know, if I want Petty, I I, I want to rock Petty.
1: Well, the the only real negative thing I have on this album is it's too long. Uh, it's about two or three songs too long. The, the, the songs that are on there that are good are really, really good. Uh, it has a couple on there that are filler, but, uh, you know, it's, people think it's, you know, one of the best albums of the 90s, and I mean, it definitely put out a lot of hits, but uh, the title track, if you've never heard it, go listen to it, it'll make you feel good.
2: Yeah, well, I'm going to go with a song that always makes me feel good, and people may not think so much of it being a, a ballad, but you read the lyrics to it, and it is a ballad. It just happens to be, you know, in the same way since, we're talking, since we started out talking about power ballads, in the same way that Sweet Child of Mine is a ballad, this doesn't seem like a ballad, because it's upbeat, it's, you know, it's a bit of a rocker and all that. But um, I've said before, this is probably my favorite song, period. And I know that's a bold statement, especially as much music as I listen to, but The Cure, just like heaven. Um, now, you talk about everything stopping when I hear that song. I'm going to go back to the Seinfeld and Desperado. My world stops when this comes on. <laughs> that's how I know that I love this song. I never, ever, ever get tired of this song. And no matter, if it it comes on the radio, whatever, I'm cranking it. Um, I cannot listen to it enough. I don't know why I love it that much. I just do.
1: Well, I mean, one of their two or three biggest hits, uh, I can't argue with it. It's a a great song. Uh, When I think of The Cure, it's probably that's probably the one I, th- I go to. Like I think is their most, in my opinion, their most well-known, uh, well-known song. And, uh, it was interesting last year after you got me into dream car, which I still listen to regularly. Uh, I got on this, uh, kind of new wave kick and, uh, really listened to a lot of the cure. Um, which I liked a lot more than I ever would have thought I would. Uh, but I agree with you. I
2: think this is their, I think this is their best song. Uh, yeah, it, well, obviously, I'm gonna pick it because I said it's. I think it's <laughs> for me, it's the best song. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, uh, I I can't say enough good things about it. Like, uh, it just again, some people may not think that it's a ballad, and it's not about in the traditional form. But you know, I'm not gonna start reading lyrics out here. But look at the lyrics if you've ever you know had any doubt. Well, Chris,
1: so you said that that is your favorite song of all time. I guess it's apropos that I go with my favorite song of all time, the song I've talked to death on this show, Purple Rain by Prince. The first verse from everything I've read is about his father. The second verse is about his girlfriend. And the third verse is about America. But nonetheless, I think it's a perfect song that moves me every time I hear it. Ever since the first time I heard it when I was like eight years old, and I never get tired of hearing it. Uh, I even like it when he just plays it on a piano without the big band production. But one of the what I think of is one of the the classic eighty songs that's held up over time and doesn't sound dated. Uh, I know Sonny Pooney's is going to agree with me because he's a huge Kiss. I mean, yeah, he is a huge Kiss fan, but a <laughs> huge <laughs> uh, a huge <laughs> a huge Prince fan but uh man I just I can't say enough good things about this song. Um it's a shame he's gone. Um but uh boy, what a what a powerhouse musician he was and, and this was him at his finest.
2: You taught me something there. I never knew that about the song.
1: Yeah, is, yeah, so and apparently there's a f- a lost fourth verse that has something to do with like the economy or something. I don't know what was going on with him, but uh yeah, so uh learn a little something new every day.
2: Yeah well let me go from favorite song to favorite band and i'll go with social distortion and you know i'm all i know we shared lists and all but i got to thinking about this and i'm i uh i'm gonna call an audible on this because i said social distortion i wanted to go with one of theirs and i went with initially i said this time darling which is off my favorite album of theirs somewhere between heaven and hell but i'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with one off their last album, which is absolutely insane. That their last album was 2011, by the way. But anyway, I'm going with uh, writing on with writing on the wall off of a hard times and nursery rhymes. I just think to me it's probably for me a little bit more of like a about a little again a little bit more upbeat or tempo wise, but um, you know it's it's a true true ballad lyrically, um, but more of not so much singing about a happy relationship, but wanting the girl back. Um, I just, it's probably one of my favorites on that album. And probably is my favorite. I had to think about that, but I probably do put that even above This Time, Darling. I love that album. I like the song.
1: Um, I like This Time, Darling better, but I, I can't, um, uh I can't argue with you if you're going to go with a a ballad from Social Distortion who we will be seeing in, what, 28
2: days? Yeah, something like that. I I know it's late October. That's all I know.
1: Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that. I've never gotten to see them before. All right, so it's funny how this happens, Chris. You go with a song from your favorite band. I'm going to go with a song from my favorite band. It's not a a David Hudson podcast without a Black Crowes reference. The closing song off their album Amorica, Descending. This was the shining moment for Ed harsh, the longtime piano and keyboard player in the black crows who, uh, who died, uh, two years ago. Um, all the, all the guys in the crows to a man will tell you he's the best musician they ever played with. Mind you, this is a band that played with Jimmy page. They've played with Tom Petty. I mean, they've, they've, you know, they've been with everybody and they said that he was the best musician they ever played with. Um, The piano intro to this is great. If you can get a chance to find on YouTube, back when Ed Harsh was in the band, play this live. He does an outro to this that's about a minute and a half to two minutes long. It may be the most moving piece of music I've ever heard, the outro. Um, The song was recorded. It was recorded. The final version wound up on a morgue. It was on an album that they recorded and scrapped called Tall. And the arrangement on it's not quite as good in my opinion. But uh, by all accounts, this is a song about addiction and somebody that's relapsed and uh, basically, uh, you know, needing help with that. But the the main thing to get get through to everybody is Ed Harsh was the man. Uh, He's no longer with us. Um, I even brought up on a Black Cross message board a couple months ago and got started a, a real controversy that i don't think any of the any of the offshoots of the band should ever play this live i said do, do people do y'all think anybody should play this live because nobody can do it justice and you know it started a whole mess but uh man just a beautiful song the closing song on an album we've talked about it on here before uh bands that are really confident and, and know what they're doing and think they're good they're not scared to put a great song at the end of an album and the black crows were definitely not that
2: well, I agree. I agree. It's a really good song, and I was, and you know, I kind of saying this to you the other day. I, uh, I mean, I, obviously, you're being your favorite band. You love all phases of the band. I said something to you to the effect of, you know, like that. I forget how good of a rock band they were, and how great of a rock band they could have stayed. And I say that because they became a jam band. Yeah. I don't like jam music, you know, and I will say that emphatically. I just don't like it. Now, that being said, there are some stuff in the jam genre I do like, but as a whole, I just don't like that kind of music. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, But, so I'm, their later stuff just is not going to ever do it for me. But as a straight-up rock and roll band, they were really great, and that's a great rock ballad.
1: Yeah, a really, really good team. All right, you're up next, Chris.
2: All right, I'm going to go with one that um, I think most people will know who this guy is. They may not know the song, but uh, a guy named Pete Yorn. Um, he put out his first album. It's called uh, Music for the Morning After. And I'm going to say this. If you've never heard that album, and you just want to hear a good singer-songwriter, rock album, whatever... Listen to that album. I love that album so. I still, to this day, I love that album. Um, man, I wore that out when it came out. I guess that was probably. Uh, I think I just got out of college. So, I mean, it was probably like the so probably like the summer of '01. And there's a song on it that it's a hidden track at the very, very end, and it's a song called "A Girl Like You." and if you want to hear just a true sweet love song to a girl start start with this one Pete Yorn a girl like you
1: all right so Pete Yorn let's talk about him for a second do you feel like for like I swear it felt like seven or eight years he was the next big thing well and then it I just kind of like and then first, it just kind of feel... never happened
2: I feel like the first album, he was the next big thing, and then I feel like maybe a little bit on the second, and then it just kind of it kind of died down. Uh, and, and he and he and he still puts it, will put out some good music. And I, I mean, I've seen him live and um, seen him live a few times, and he's still a really, really good artist. But nothing, he's one of those guys. Just my opinion, he's one of those guys. That, Nothing can ever come close to that first album.
1: Yeah, sometimes that's a curse when that happens. Yeah. Alright, so getting kind of kind of thin on mine here. Um I'm gonna go with I Need My Girl by the National. Uh if you're not familiar with the National, they're a band out of Cincinnati, Ohio. They've been around now for ten or fifteen years, but one of the more unique sounds that you're gonna hear, uh Matt Beringer um is the uh, lead singer has a very unique baritone voice that at times uh, can be a little much for me, but at times it's very haunting and beautiful. And um, this is just a very low key, subtle song that's very powerful, very
2: moving. Uh, the national "I Need My Girl." Yeah, it's a good song, and I I, always, I feel like I've, I've always thought that that um, that he had. What are you talk about the baritone voice and all he almost has that like, Peter Murphy type sound of, uh, Bauhaus, which is, I know that sounds like really weird, but you know, listen to the song about Peter Murphy, cut you up. And there's a good example, but cause not a lot of guys sing that way. Right. Um, I'm going to go with one that, uh, a lot of people probably don't, they know the band may not know the song, but, um, the killers prize fighter. And, that is the uh, deluxe on the deluxe edition Battleborn and again, another upbeat song, but this is just a song about total admiration and just absolutely adoring a girl and she can do no wrong and she's the best at everything and she's captivating and I just what a great song.
1: This was the biggest surprise uh, for me, as far as like songs I never heard that I like mm-hmm. the most off your list. Um, yeah, very very upbeat sounding song, beautiful beautiful lyrics, and just I, I love the the sentiment behind it.
2: Yeah, it's just it, it's an interesting it's an interesting song lyrically, just because it's so far fetched and just ridiculous and sweet at the same time.
1: All right, so speaking of sweet, let's go with Band of Horses, the song No One's Gonna Love You off their second album. Very straight-ahead lyrics. No one's gonna love you more than I do. Uh, just a beautiful song. If you see them live, they pretty much strip it down when I've seen them and play it acoustically. Usually it's just uh, Ben, the lead singer, and whoever's in the band at the time playing guitar uh, sitting around a microphone. There's a version of it on a live acoustic album they did called Live at the Ryman." amazing but uh band of horses uh kind of some people consider them somewhat alt country somewhat alternative somewhat rock uh just uh, a really good band and i got to see them live last year and was just blown away by how good they were but no one's gonna love you kind of one of their signature songs i guess behind the, the funeral is the song that everybody's heard but uh no one's gonna love you probably comes in number two
2: you know you could almost make an argument that no one's gonna love you is almost more well-known now. The Funeral is definitely what put them on the map. Yeah. You know, but, I don't know, they, they're definitely, you're right, they're definitely the top two songs. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, let me go, I'm going to go with um, a band who's actually been rising up now. It's taken them a long, long time. I would say one of the hardest working bands, if not the, behind Lucero. Actually, they may be harder working Lucero these days, but American Aquarium. Um, these guys are finally starting to get it going and finally starting to to become known. I mean, these guys probably played so many shows to six people; it's ridiculous. And now I follow them on social media, and they are actually selling out places now. So uh, hard work paying off. But anyway, song called "Man I'm Supposed to Be." Um, another one, just great, sweet lyrically, um, good tune.
1: They're a grower for me. Um, that album that just came out, uh, I liked. Uh, I've gone back and uh, listened to a couple albums that you suggested. There's some songs I listen to them and I'm like, man, they're amazing. And then some that just don't do that much for me. But this is one of the ones that does something for me. I, I can't, I can't find fault with you for picking this one.
2: Your wife would probably like that one too.
1: Yeah, I need to play it for, uh, play it for her. All right, so um, look over my list here and see what I've skipped over because i've kind of gone out of order um oh yeah long december <laughs> by long december by the counting crows uh man one of the the great 90s uh, one of the great 90s ballads um uh, i really like their second album probably as much as i like august and everything after uh songs like catapult and monkey on that are really good but a long december man it's just a beautiful song adam durrett's at times, his whining can get on my nerves. I'm not going to lie to you, but it does, that's not the case uh, on this one. Uh, probably their biggest well-known song outside of anything on August and Everything After, uh, I would think. Uh, never Get Tired of Hearing It, uh, our buddy Roy Nowell. This one's for you, Roy. I know you're going to appreciate me picking this one. But uh, I've never heard you talk about the Counting Crows, Chris. I'm kind of interested to hear your take on on, on this song and that band.
2: Yeah, I like, I like them. I, I, they're one of those ones that, you know, it, it seems like, it seems like they're one of those bands that may not be everybody's favorite band, but nobody ever really talks badly about them. Kind of like Tom Petty. Yeah, they kind of. It, that's not a bad comparison because I don't really know people who's just like, man, I hate Counting Crows. Right. And that's a good song. Uh, you got to go with that or Colorblind. You know, if you're gonna pick one from them and at least in my opinion, but yeah, I I guess I've actually got most of their albums, you know, so that being said, they're not one of my favorite bands, but I like them enough to always want to hear what they're doing.
1: Yeah, like I never, they're never at the forefront of my mind, but whenever I hear them on the radio or something, man, they were really good, and I wind up going back that day and, and I'll wind up listening to three or four more songs of theirs.
2: Yeah, they're kind of like in, and they a, a, going on. These bands sound nothing alike, but they're kind of like one of those bands from the '90s that still are going like like a Weezer, for yeah, me. Yeah, that they're not like my favorite band, but you're I'm not like going to argue around. if somebody puts it on at a party. No, 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 and I just like those. You know, everything up a well, little last. I don't really like what Weezer's been doing the last couple albums, but man, Weezer was on a streak where. Like every album they put out, but they mm-hmm. are never my favorite band, and that's kind of the way Counting Crows are.
1: Yeah, I kind of think they're that way for a lot of people.
2: Yeah, um, I'm going to go with you know, Chuck Reagan. I've talked about him a lot on here. His punk band, Hot Water Music. He is, you know, I've, I've actually, I'm kind of on a streak now of actually picking real true ballads. Uh, Wake with you. It's a song called Wake with you. Just another great, sweet love song with a gravelly
1: voice i'll be honest with you chris i don't think i actually i listened to the i I made a playlist of everything that you said and for some Uh, reason i don't remember maybe i forgot to put this song on there so i can't really comment on is it is it an acoustic track
2: um it's not all acoustic no okay Uh, but it's it's um it's just typical Chuck Reagan, but it's um, you know got the gravelly voice, but it's like I said, it's it's a and it's a little bit more tempo, but it, it is a true love song.
1: I bet our uh, buddy Casey Elward from Asteroid would enjoy that pick.
2: Oh uh, yeah, yeah. There's there's no doubt he would he would like a few of them. And, and since uh, since we're we mentioned Casey, my next one will go to Casey. So go but, ahead. Yeah, what, know- why, why don't you go ahead and knock it out? Since since you mentioned him and all this, I got to go with a trio song, one that he would love. I'm gonna go with uh, "Blue in the Face." There are a couple of uh, I could pick. Man, I could have even go with "Crystalline" off the new album. But "Blue in the Face," uh, man, I lo- I love Mia Skibba ballad. Oh, and, yeah, and I, that's one of them. This
1: was probably number two on the songs that I'd never really listened to that uh, that grabbed me off your list. Um, and that Skiba you- singing, correct?
2: Yeah, did you? Well, you said number two. You said prize fighter, but that's not going to fall into one you don't listen to, right?
1: Right. It's just one I never paid attention to.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, okay.
1: that just kind of came on my radar. So yeah, I would say those were the, those were the the top two. So Chris, we've gone, I don't know, an hour and ten or hour and fifteen minutes here singing about i mean talking about lord have mercy if we were singing it wouldn't last that long Uh, talking about uh talking about ballads and neither one of us have brought up a female uh so i'm going to bring up a female off the album the globe sessions cheryl Crow's the difficult kind now cheryl Crow is a musician i have a lot of respect for i saw her open up for the stones back maybe on the globe set she that may be when that album came out, uh, the Globe Sessions, I think is her best all around album, if you only, you know, know of her for those first couple of songs that came out on that first, those first two albums, you need to listen to the Globe Sessions, it's great, this song is tremendous, there's a live version on a live album that she did, I think in Central Park, with Sarah McLaughlin singing with her, that, uh, whoo, man, it's good, but, you know, she's more than just a a pop a pop singer. I mean, she can play the guitar, she can write, and she can she can dip her toes in country a little bit. And she's you know obviously can play rock music. But the Globe Sessions, I think, is her best album, and this is one of her two or three best songs.
2: Didn't know it. Had to listen to it when you sent it. I'm Cheryl Crow's is one of those ones. I don't dislike her, but I don't really think about her i know that may sound bad but i just said i don't like dislike her so i'm not saying she's bad but uh yeah i mean it's song wasn't bad it's just um like i said she's not one of my not one i think of a whole lot yes
1: yeah, i mean i i don't she's not like i like same with the county crows i don't you know i'm not constantly thinking about her but when i do i go back and listen you know she put out some good stuff and um yeah i mean that that live album she did at central park keith richards comes out and plays happy with her eric clapton comes out and plays i think sunshine of your love or white room on it so uh you know uh if her music isn't necessarily for you but her her influences and her friends are all people that we like
2: yeah no doubt about that well i'll go with uh i already talked about michael grace song. i want to uh, i've got to give a give some love to Michael Graves and I'm going to go with a song called frostbite, which was, this was the first time, you know, Michael Graves does all like singer songwriter type stuff for the most part. Every now and then he'll kind of go with what he calls his, his, uh, monster music. But this was, um, this was a real surprise for me when he did this because I, uh, only knew him from the misfits and he had done a couple of punk records and then he comes out with illusions. And, um, this was a song that the lyrics were co-written with uh, Damien Echols from the West Memphis Three. And uh, knowing that and knowing that Damien was in prison when he did this and you hear this song, it's uh, it's hard to really figure out exactly what Damien's talking about, but um, it, it's haunting, especially when you know he's on death row. Um, haunting is not does
1: not do it justice. Um, yeah. This is a beautiful song. Did he play this when we saw him, right? I don't think he did. Oh, uh, really? It sounded. It, I, I thought it sounded like you know. I thought he played it w- when we saw him, but man, whoo! It it's just it's haunting. Um, yeah. It definitely, it definitely conveys that that feeling. And uh, uh, I real, you know, this may be a mischaracterization on my part, but I just don't normally think of punk singers as being great vocalists. But that that stereotype does not extend to him. That's for sure.
2: Yeah, you know, I, and I agree with that. Uh, he's, Michael Graves is one of those guys that, you know, sadly, people don't really know what he's doing these days. You know, the guys, people that probably bought his punk records, and, like, I got a guy that I work with, and um, you yeah, know, I'm, I'm going to try to get in more into Michael Graves, because listening to a lot of same-type music, and he was, he's told me, like, he said, man, I, I wore American Psycho out, you know, going to the gym and all that, and he had the Misfits records that they did. People just don't really know just how great he is and how great of a vocalist he was because I know people love Glenn Danzig and all, but, man, you couldn't have Glenn Danzig sing a song like that.
1: No, uh-uh. I completely I mean,
2: agree. He, he couldn't do it. You know, and he's still wrong. Glenn sounds cool. I like the evil Elvis sound, but he's not the vocalist that Michael Graves is. I mean, he's just... Graves is an underrated singer. All
1: right, Chris, I only have two songs left. How many do you have left?
2: uh i've got a few but i can uh, i can rapid fire it off okay
1: from. i'm gonna save my final one for the end because it, it, i think it's the most powerful one i have i'm gonna go with a song by noel gallagher off his last album dead in the water and it's a song that was recorded live i think in a in a radio studio somewhere in i think in europe I and mean, you can hear him like hear him counting himself in uh, on it it's a just a, a really raw take it's just him on a guitar it's called dead in the water just a beautiful love song. He played it when I saw him live uh, back in March, I think. And uh, the rest of the song is very kind of electronic and um, a little more up-tempo. But this is just Noel Gallagher and an acoustic guitar. And uh, he, can, he can write a great ballad. Um, I could have put Don't Look Back in Anger on here. Uh, classic Oasis song. But this one, I think, more fits uh, fits what we're trying to do here. But anyway, it's off his latest album, uh, Who Built the Moon, and the song is Dead in the Water.
2: I agree with you. I think it's more of a fits more of a ballad and a great song. Yeah, it's a really good song. <coughs> and um, uh, that's one of the ones that you turned me on to, one of the albums you turned me on to that I was thankful for. I really like that album. Cool. Um, I'm going to go with – let me just knock out a couple of them right in a row because I'm going to just do two that I'm going to group into 90s. Um, I'm mean, gonna we you've, you've named a few ninety a couple '90s ones so I'm gonna go with one that you know if anybody wants to laugh at me I don't care laugh all you want you're wrong Bush Glittering I just think that's a great great '90s ballad and uh, the other I was gonna I wanted just mention is uh we've talked about this before on '90s albums that I love but a band called the Nixon's and the song Sister if you don't remember it play it you'll remember it instantly because it was a huge hit
1: oh all right glycerin i'm just i'm not going to say anything on that one i'll I'll let let you speak for yourself on that one but sister by the nixons i told you on the phone earlier this week it is nothing against the song nothing against the band but if i never hear it again it's going to make me a happy man that's because uh My, my good buddy, Ron Wallace, Ron, if you're, if you're listening up in New Jersey, I miss you, man. Give me a call. Uh, lived with him in college and, uh, he loved the song. He wore it out. And every time I hear it, I just, uh, it makes my skin crawl. But with that said, had that not have happened, it's not a bad song. Now you and I had an interesting conversation about this, uh, this week um, this makes
2: for a good conversation. We may go a little bit long on this podcast. That's all right. We won't do it often.
1: So you give me a hard time about Greta Van Fleet, and I'm gonna concede I'm gonna concede the argument to you now, uh that they're just a leads up and ripoff, which they are. Um give me a hard time about that. But when I hear Sister by the Nixons, I can't help but think of Pearl Jam Black. I can't help but think of all the kind of knockoff bands that came from that, like Seven Mary Three and stuff like that. Uh, this blatantly sounds like a ripoff of Pearl Jam, in my opinion. And
2: I told you, I think it's fair, that criticism. Um, you know, I... um. Sorry, I got kind of, I was looking at something, I was like, man, it's one of my dogs hurting? But no, I think he's just wrestling around with another one. I hear him in a distance, so sorry about that. Um, no, I, uh, I understand what you're saying. So, what, the way I tried to explain this to you, and when you are saying, you know, you always talk about what a ripoff, off um, Gray Van Fleet is. And, and he said, but this is Pearl Jam. And I said, okay, there, but let me explain something to you. I said to you... And I think I did a decent job of explaining. At least you, you know, at least you lied to me if I didn't (laughs) make me feel better. But I felt like the Nixons were doing what, what, Seven Mary Three, Creed, Days of the New, uh, even Stone Temple Pilots, what all of them were doing. They were all ripping off Pearl Jam because they were doing what bands do, you know, just like, you know. Corn gets big, and you have every band trying to, you know, act like they're LL Cool J meets, you know, Motley Crue. Um, it's just it was it was the trend, and so they were they were capitalizing just like you had Blink One Eighty Two came out, and you have some Forty One and you know, New Found Glory, and all these bands trying to be the next Blink One Eighty Two. That's fair. It's a fair criticism. But I, I told you they were trying to capitalize off of that genre that was big. Now, with Greta Van Fleet, they are not trying to rip off of a genre because that genre is not going strong right now. They are ripping off Led Zeppelin. And I have said before, and I will not change this, I cannot take them seriously. I think they are the biggest rip-off band I've ever heard, period. And I guess it angers me when I hear them say, uh, we didn't really listen to Zeppelin. They didn't really do anything for us. It's like, really? Come on, guys. I mean, just own it. I mean, you are just a notch above a cover band doing Zeppelin songs. Talented. That, I will say that. They're talented. But man, if anybody listened to this, like if y'all think I'm wrong that that's that's fine, but I just don't get the Greta Van Fleet love.
1: All right. You did a good job articulating your point. And <laughs> now we gotta go
2: back to balance. so alright. As, um, as we were.
1: <laughs> no, um the Greta Van Fleet thing, I you gotta give me credit. I fought for him for a while.
2: You You did. I mean, you really did. And it's like I told you, your guy Eddie Trump, he came out and he said, you know, I wanted him to come out on this second album. I'm pulling for him to come out on this second album, and just surprised me. It's like, okay, we're coming on, we're coming into our own sound now. We found it. We're growing up. And he's like, man, no, they went all in on the Zeppelin sound. I mean, it may be even more so. And he said, he said that he saw him on one of the late night shows, and he said the guitarist was even doing the Jimmy Page shuffle step. Oh, and yeah, he said he was doing that. And it's like, oh my god. And it and he's like, look, I'm glad that there's a rock band that's getting success. But he's like, I it. it he was being very nice about what I just said. But he basically said what I what I said.
1: So Greta Van Fleet brought Chris Craig and Eddie Trunk together.
2: Yes. Absolutely. Eddie, I love you on that one. You know, <laughs> you're so right. You were too nice about it, but you are right.
1: Oh man. Well, I guess stranger things have happened, huh? Yeah, um, absolutely. All right. So I've got one left, and I saved it for last for a reason, because I think it may be the greatest cover song of all time. That's Johnny Cash's version of Hurt by Nine Inch Nails. Trent Reznor, I've heard him say that's no longer a Nine Inch Nails song. That's a Johnny Cash song. If you haven't heard this, you've got to go listen to it. Rick Rubin produced it. The video for it is a top five video of all time this is such a moving version it's not necessarily uh you know uh it's not necessarily what you would call a, a love song ballad but johnny cash could convey emotion with his voice maybe better than anybody that we that we've talked about today with the exception of maybe a few um i can't emphasize enough to go watch this video and if that doesn't move you something's wrong with you
2: it's another one that goes into the haunting category. Um, yeah, and Rick Rubin, by the way, we talk about, we're talk. we given Johnny Cash, or, or you are, but of course I will second that. I mean, I'm laying right up underneath the uh, Rolling Stone magazine after he passed on the wall. Um, I love Johnny Cash. My dog was named after Johnny Cash. But... Um, Man, we got to give Rick, love, Rick Rick Rubin some serious, serious love. You could not not only did he resurrect Johnny Cash's career, but to realize that that song would be a good song for him, and Johnny Cash didn't want to do it because he said he he knew it wasn't him, but he trusted Rick Rubin, and man, did it work! Um, it it really did work. I mean, Rick Rubin had that guy taking some chances right at the end. I mean. Doing that song, doing Rusty Cage. Um, but yeah, that's a that's going to make just about everybody, few people would ever disagree with you that that's not one of the best covers of all time. Um, and just one of the most unexpected covers of all time as well.
1: I remember when those albums were getting ready to come out, especially the first one. I can't remember if it was the first one or not. He was on um, Jay Leno, Cash was, and I think he performed Rusted Cage. And I was like, boy, this could be an absolute train wreck. This is, could be as bad as like that time that David Lee Roth went on The Tonight Show and performed a jump with like a bluegrass band. But that's not the case. Uh blew me away. Uh, God's Going to Cut You Down, another song that came out of all of that that I'm sure m- people, if they're not familiar with it, have heard it in a bunch of movies and television shows. But, uh, man, you're right. Rick Rubin, that's his That's his crown. He's got a lot of crowning achievements. Uh, my favorite one is is discovering the Black Crows. Well, not discovering, but signing them for their first deal. But this is his crowning achievement.
2: Yeah, I mean, you think about what he's done. I mean, everything, I mean, it, really his first start was producing... The beastie boys really and then working with slayer and and all those bands i mean he's done a lot of diverse and work but that's one of his most genius ones is that he wanted to resurrect johnny cash and not only did he make him popular again made him relevant yeah he brought him out to the young people you know he didn't make you know the 60 year old people go buy the new johnny cash album no he had the 18-year-old's going and buying the new Johnny Cash record. Right. You know, which is really cool. Well, I will wrap up. I'm going uh, to... Let me, let me go and knock one out that you know, some people could laugh at me on. And again, I don't care, because I just think it's a great great love song. Richard Marks, Right Here Waiting. Um, with all the crazy stuff I've named and a few more of the stuff, people aren't going to have the clue what I'm talking about. Why not throw them off even more and say Richard Marks? Um Sugar. Band called Sugar. Is that Bob Mold? Yeah. I don't know how many people know of them, but Bob Mold, and Bob Mold, of course, was with Hoosker Doo and solo Bob Mold. Um he uh Sugar was a really cool band. Um there's a song called If I Can't Change Your Mind. And it's it's upbeat and even though it's about Basically, I mean, what the song would say, you know, it's like I'm just trying to, like, win the girl back and all, but it's, it's uplifting. It's happy. It makes you feel good. And I love that song, and I just, for me, it just, it, lyrically and everything, it's so much a ballad, so I wanted to include that one. Mm-hmm. Um, a band that is no longer together that I loved um, probably... You know, we haven't really talked about them much, but a band called Stella Star, and they were their first album. I would say was one of my favorite albums of the what the first decade of the 2000s for sure. Uh, I, I I love that album. I still listen to it, and and I love all. They only did three albums, and I love them all. They did a on their first album. <clears throat> they did a song called it's just it's untitled is the name of it. And again, another one that truly fits into the the realm of a ballad. Um, check out Stella Star if you ever—I mean, it's different. Um, anybody that's you know trusted me enough and told me, "Hey, Dream Car was a great pick," and all that. If you want to hear something different, and you just want to kind of expand your palate again, just try Stella Star. It's hard to describe them. Uh, I would say. Um, Man, it's people said before they think vocally, he's kind of almost like the uh, like David Byrne, the Talking Heads. But um, I don't know, it's hard to really compare to somebody. But great band, uh, everybody knows the song "Win in Rome." I've noticed the band "Win in Rome." That song, "The Promise," included that one. A really like almost painful, down and out song is a uh, kind of Texas singer songwriter called Jason Boland song called proud souls if you want to check out just a gut-wrenching song the sad song you need a i mean turn the lights out and just you know pour a glass of whiskey and drink it straight proud souls get the live listen to live version and the final one i put on this is a new song but i just love it that much it's from we talked about a couple weeks ago i'm in love with this band now called jeremy and the harlequins Uh, really kind of a throwback to rockabilly uh, 50s 60s early rock and roll but their last album there's a ballad on there called with you and i love it so that's my little rapid fire so
1: we've had basically about every genre of music except for like rap covered today chris yeah, and I mean,
2: hey, if there's just not a lot of rap ballads, and, and well, then again, we don't really listen to rap, but
1: right. So on the uh, on the Richard Marks, let's get back to him for a second. Yeah, I actually saw him in concert when I was in eighth grade. It, oh it, wow! It really wasn't a bad concert.
2: He had some good songs.
1: Yeah, and he wrote. And a I lot I think of,
2: most people would agree with that, honestly.
1: Well, and he wrote a lot of songs that people don't know he wrote.
2: That um, give give a couple of them.
1: Uh, off sure top, on off to, uh what was um top of my head what's the song by vixen um
2: oh uh, living on the edge of a broken heart or something like that yeah i'm
1: pretty sure he wrote that and then off the top of my head i can't remember the other ones but uh let's see uh i'm gonna make sure i got that part um that right because uh if i did not get that right somebody is going to uh call me out on it but yeah it was not uh it was not a bad and this was at the height of his um at the height of his powers. Let's see here. Yep, Richard Marks co wrote Edge of a Broken Heart. Um you know, and he I think he still puts out stuff relatively frequently.
2: Um Yeah, I mean with I uh, because I wasn't a fan, so to speak, I don't I never really bought in I never bought any of his records, so I I don't know. I can't tell you whether for Richard Marks if it's good or bad. I just know that his hits at the time yeah, they were they were good then, and I and I still like hearing them. You know, I that that song is just it's a it's a great great ballad.
1: Yeah, he uh, he's written for Luther Vandros. Uh He's toured with Ringo Starr, and you know Ringo Starr doesn't let slouches in that all star band. Um. Anyway, yeah. So well, that- when you
2: when you have, when you have pipes like Ringo, I mean, you've got to have a good band around you. <laughs> I mean, you can. There's there's no way. I mean, you got to be a true professional to be able to get with that voice because that voice is perfection.
1: Oh, and that drumming ability too. <laughs> luckiest, <laughs> the luckiest guy. On, like Lou Gehrig said, he was the luckiest man in the world. No, it's Ringo Starr. Ringo Starr. I
2: like I like the quote. My dad has talked about this before, where where uh, somebody asked um, asked ask John Lennon, is uh somebody's is Ringo a good drummer? And he said, he's not the best drummer in the band. <laughs> hey, I will
1: take his success any day.
2: Yeah. The best too, though. And then when he says, when John Lennon supposedly said, he's not the best re- drummer in the band, you know, when they were doing the white album. I don't know if you've heard this story. They, uh, I don't know what song or if it was multiple songs, but, but McCartney like played over his tracks and he did, he did the drums and, uh, Riga was so bummed about it. I think he either quit or said he was quitting. And when he came back in the studio, they had like rose petals all around his drums and everything. Trying (laughs) to like make it up to it.
1: (laughs) Oh man. Oh, anyway. Well, Chris, this was fun. Uh, It was good. It was good to get back and um, do one of these where it's just you and me. And this one's going to clock in close to two hours. So uh, people uh, will have a lot to chew on. All right. All right, everybody. Follow us on Twitter at Digital Killed. Like us on Facebook, Instagram. Subscribe Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or Podchaser. Uh, Until next time, everybody have a good week.